and thus it was born. Just listen unto my loins. Well, well, well Roger Scruton. <laughs> but not women's loins. Not, no. the, not the craven clitoral loins of the fatter sex. Um, I find those weird, and it's a universal thing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> this not because I'm a weird nerd. I have rational loins. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Roger Scruton has such rational loins. Rational loins is my, la- my rap name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pop in the theme song there. Hello once again, and welcome back to Trash Future, the podcast that you are currently listening to. Mm. I am, as ever, Riley, and I'm here in studio with Milo Edwards. Uh, it's me, your boy. Hello. Uh, Nate on the boards. Hello, me again. Uh, Alice calling in from Glasgow, where Hello. she ordinarily yes. is calling in from. Uh, calling in from my deathbed, because I have yeah. Zico or something. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be Alice's last episode, and it'll be played. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank exactly. you for easing my suffering and like spiriting me off this mortal coil with whatever this is going to be. Alice oh, has taken to her bed in protest at conditions in the Crimean War. <laughs> <laughs> and we are also joined by jazz saxophonist uh, and MC Sawido Kinch. Yeah, How are yo. you doing, man? I'm good. Good. Good to be here. So we uh, we, we met in uh, in Bristol, actually, after Indeed. Bristol transformed. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, sort of, you sort of stumbled into our live show and we're like, well, I need to see if they can do this again. <laughs> exactly. Without the bereft of the crowd. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Bereft of bereft of the crowd, I would say sixty percent of whom were, were fans and into it, and forty percent of whom had wandered in from a walking tour. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this isn't what we signed up for. My target audience, <laughs> well, the, be- the bemused and elderly. These people have said nothing about Jack the Ripper whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I figure we've got lots to cover today, so I thought mm. we might as well jump right into it. Um, I've decided to start things off, as I so often do, with one of these startup companies. You're familiar mm. with the concept of a startup company, of course. I oh yeah, baby, we run one. <laughs> Technically, I guess yeah, it sort of is. Scheme of things, what is this but a startup? Yeah. <laughs> I was at a gig the other day, and there was a girl doing stand-up who said, like, oh, um, I, I the other day I matched with someone on Tinder, and I was really intimidated because he was the CEO of a company. And I went on stage afterwards, and I was like, I am legitimately the CEO of a company. It means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone Anyone can, can be. Yeah. Just you could all be CEOs of a company. If you oh, read yeah. my new business book, CEO of your own life, applying the, <laughs> applying business secrets to everyday encounters, you too can become the CEO of your own breakfast, lunch, dinner, commute. Mm. I'm okay. only COO of my own life. I've been demoted. <laughs> Real question. Well, what does that actually stand for? What's company executive... Chief, Chief executive, executive officer. officer. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yes. As I, I think the idea that being COO of your own life is what like Rodney Dangerfield writes about his wife, but as mm. a business mindset book, like yeah, I get no respect. I'm C, I'm COO. My wife's the CEO. <laughs> anyway, my kids are the shareholders. <laughs> can't uh, catch a break around here. <laughs> no, this is I can't I can't remember I've said this on the podcast before, but the funniest part, one of the funniest things you could really prop you could really think of is the idea that of Rodney Dangerfield being a submissive and just being rock hard constant because he has uh, no. no respect uh, <laughs> and oh, for this i'm i'm okay. dying i'll right. get that out of my head for the next <laughs> all right extremely on <laughs> so brand in the first welcome to the podcast some kind of therapy <laughs> we, we actually were quite restrained every in Bristol kind compared yeah. to how it normally is apparently so, i've got a startup 
this is from this is a quote from the startups um, page. I'm not actually going to say what the name is because it makes it too obvious what it does. This is a, this is the main quote from their page. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol said, "Quote: The most beautiful thing in Tokyo is McDonald's. The most beautiful thing in Stockholm is McDonald's. The most beautiful thing in Florence is McDonald's. Peking in Moscow don't or didn't at the time of the quoting have anything beautiful yet." Wow, Andy Warhol sounds like a fucking asshole. <laughs> yes. Wait, sorry. <laughs> so is this something to do with McDonald's? <laughs> You'd think so. No. <laughs> they mm. then goes on. Blank has to be beautiful. So <sighs> something that only exists in. Developed countries and non-communisty ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, it, it can't, it can't exist anywhere where there's there's a strong central government that's not making apps. In the future, everyone will be famous for fifteen minutes and have great, great choices on the pound saver menu. <laughs> um, Is it like some kind of racist algorithm that avoids <laughs> yellow and black and brown people? <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's one of the three types of companies that we talk about on this show. Okay. This is, in terms of asinine to insidious, this is hard on the asinine scale of the spectrum. Um, okay. how, how much of your personal data does it sell or like harvest? None. Neither. Doesn't wow. interact with your personal okay, data. Okay, that is unusual for us. It's go, go, mm. it's, we cycle back. He's talking about how the most beautiful thing anywhere is McDonald's. Um, blank has to be beautiful. There will be no ugly place left after this. It's not specifically McDonald's, but what could be beautiful about a McDonald's to someone like Andy Warhol? So is it something that lets you get your favorite fast food anywhere in the world? Standardized. <laughs> mm. Okay, <laughs> that's it. This is- well, does it, wait, is what, is what Andy Warhol loves about McDonald's the clown? Is that, that seems like the sort of thing that like, Andy Warhol's like, I have long been fascinated by the Hamburglar. <laughs> what is it that motivates the Hamburglar? His only desire in life is to steal hamburgers. I love how your Andy Warhol voice is just slightly more pensive Donald Trump. <laughs> wait, he's Although, not wrong though. It's like yeah, Donald Trump's seductive voice. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, slightly more pensive Donald Trump absolutely destroys the character of Donald Trump. Like, pensive is not a word yeah. Donald Trump even knows. It doesn't exist. The man yeah. has never sort of looked longingly out of a window while smoking a cigarette and, and dreaming about what the, the um, real estate deal that got away. Mm. No, so, <laughs> but what does it mean to make a deal? So we are, I'm going to keep going because this is extremely obtuse and it's so stupid you're never going to guess it. John promise. Trump. It's, just, it's fucking Sartre, but it's Trump <laughs> smoking <in> Galois. <laughs> we cannot comprehend what it is that drives the hamburger <laughs> to these to these feats of inhuman indulgence. <laughs> but we can only say that there is no God. <laughs> Pens of Jason Statham is the one that's coming to mind. Listen, Cupcake, in a sense, we are all the hamburger. <laughs> okay. We are creating a media blank with a potential coverage of 7 billion people on the planet. Uh-huh. Also, <laughs> media is, is plural. So you, like, it's a Russian yeah. company. Okay. We are creating a media. Look, it's, the thing is, it's so asinine. It's so incredibly stupid. You're never going to get it. So, like, does... Is, it's is, not, is it some kind you're all of too like, clever for this, right. trust me. Mm. TV with, like, no, uh, like, linguistic content so you don't have to translate it for other Bigger. markets. Bigger. Bigger. Larger. Physically it's, larger. It's Instagram, but only for pictures of your ass. Bigger a, a, a and larger. plinth with Physically larger. To- bigger than my ass? <laughs> <laughs> Physically bigger. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's like a larger device. Yeah. Um, 
It's like a it's like a huge screen, so everyone in Moscow can watch the same TV at the same time. <laughs> no, no, don't point at me like that. Surely not. Oh my goodness! Wow. What? This is the closest anyone has come by a mile. Is Incredible. it a big touch screen? Then they can all make orders. A Russian company called Start Rocket says it is going to launch a cluster of CubeSats into space that will act as an orbital billboard. No. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) There we go. Is this like the one where they're going to make a constellation or whatever? Like it's the stars that spell out McDonald's or whatever? Pepsi. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's so perfect that it's Pepsi and not even Coke. Like that it's... (laughs) Coke just doesn't need Coke doesn't need to fuck with like advertising in the stars. They're still number yeah. one. Whereas Pepsi is like creating a cold fusion generator to give birth to a new black hole. We have created a new galaxy and we'll simply read Mr. Pib. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so struck Max by the Blip. idea of like thousands of years into the future. Uh, extraterrestrial life finds the barren remains of our planet with like <laughs> our tomb world with nothing left except the giant Pepsi billboard. <laughs> they worshipped these as gods. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what an episode! <laughs> of course, there'll be an alternative blimp as well. That they can sort of compare, mm. and t- taste which one they thought was better. <laughs> Do the, the Pepsi blimp test. Here's the thing: <laughs> they're not advertising Pepsi. They're advertising something much, much better. I'm just imagining a version of Interstellar where they go through the wormhole and are just confronted with a huge galaxy that says Iron Brew. <laughs> <laughs> the system will promote. Will um. As its first client, will PepsiCo will use this system to promote, quote, a campaign against stereotypes and unjustified prejudices against gamers on behalf of a drink <laughs> called Adrenaline Rush. What? Holy what? fucking <laughs> shit. <sighs> so this the constellation, can't be real, the const- surely. <laughs> yeah, like- the, the constellation is meant to end prejudice against gamers. Yes. This is absolutely a scam. Gamers seem really annoying and ubiquitous. <laughs> because it has <laughs> to be. Who, who left on this planet? We don't say the G word on this show. (laughs) This is two guys with an office going, okay, we'll take all of your money in order to, like, put gamers rise up on the side of the moon. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this has such a strong Soviet energy. Just everything is like, what is that, but in space? (laughs) Okay, you have heard of dogs. Yes, you understand the concept of dog. Okay, now imagine dog. But in space, in I'm just I'm just laughing because it's like, hey, sexy. There are very few people left on this planet who can truly navigate by the stars alone, and some of them are you know Polynesian fishermen, but other ones mm-hmm. are people who just played a lot of the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And so, like in the grand scheme of things, this might be a chance for gamers to prove themselves. I love the section of the Venn diagram, which is just Polynesian fishermen who have also played a lot of Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and then being discriminated against. I, I mean, are they imagining just ordinary people will look up in the sky, see this thing, and go, "I was gonna." punch the living crap out of a gamer, but I won't now. <laughs> I'll have a Pepsi instead. <laughs> you know, it's called Adrenaline Rush. Oh. Same <laughs> great taste. <laughs> Same great taste, but with understanding for gamers. None of none of the gaming motivated violence. <laughs> you know, it's because that's also, like, that's, that's who we need to make sure we're combating negative stereotypes about is gamers. Yeah, it's so, not oh, all you, gamers you, have heated gaming moments. I was going to say, you do realize mm. that the moment that gamers get control of an artificial constellation, they're just going to use it to, like, dox women journalists. There's going to be people's phone numbers written in the sky, like, oh, yeah. call them yeah. and harass them or something. Like, like, well, I can't, why is the sky saying racial slurs? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to, like, 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 be, like, be, have my, like, my, like, my kid and just point out to me, like, that's the Big Dipper. That's Orion's Belt. That's sub to PewDiePie. <laughs> <laughs> no.
<laughs> very cool. It's very it's very cool that they're like, you know what? There's the one bit of the of not even the earth. There's one bit of like the field of experience of normal human beings we haven't monetized yet. So let's put an ad for an energy drink about there that's targeted not to gamers, but towards people with bad opinions about gamers. The only <laughs> legacy of our species. Oh, I mean, I like, exactly. I love the idea that like we might very soon enter in a period in human history where like we can't even fly on planes and there's no way to get around outside between continents. And at some point we're like, like you know, it'll be nostalgia to think back on these times when we used to like rearrange the stars to be nicer to gamers. Like yeah. just I the mere concept of that being a priority would just be yeah. so insane. I, I the love funniest the idea. thing would be if we do all of that, we have the Kessler syndrome, we can't fly anymore, we certainly can't go into space, but it's still up there. <laughs> we're just stuck on this dying world looking up. <laughs> and ironically, at this point, the only drink is adrenaline rush because yeah. the oceans have dried up. Everything else is irradiated. Yeah, exactly. It's like idiocracy. Damn. Yeah. Um, Damn. A documentary. Uh, well, my favorite thing, though, is to imagine that the aliens coming in thousands of years time when like that is the only thing that's left of our species and they're just like cobbling together like bits of newsprint from that ad and they were like damn i guess gamers must have been the slaves <laughs> they uh, must yes. have been the most discriminated Ga- gamers they always built the pyramids oh, yeah. damn yes. <laughs> great minds so I'll, the I'll, gamers were irish <laughs> I'll, I'll finish i'll finish out this this segment um because here's the thing that thing you said earlier about um tr- the trump sartre collab they kind of end in that energy Oh, excellent. We are ruled by brands and events, project leader Vlad Sitnikov told uh, Futurism at the time. The Super Bowl, Coca-Cola, Brexit, the Olympics, Mercedes, FIFA, Supreme, and the Mexican border wall. The economy is the <laughs> blood system of society. <laughs> what? Did you oh, see damn, that we thing Pete Buttigieg did, where he had like a specimen of font and he created his own placeholder text that was like just words a liberal might say? So <laughs> Liberalism. It was, it was like, corporate social responsibility, Black Lives Matter. It, was, it just was a whole paragraph of this. Just, That's what this is. Glued together. Yeah. Uh, so There's a part of me that just last because this is basically like a dark version of like if, if the soviet union had made like a parody of western capitalism it's like they want to rearrange the stars to advertise cola like <laughs> but they're actually doing it oh in real yeah life. this seems to be a, a frequent trope on this show that the ussr and the capitalist west sort of flipped I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's only like one or two degrees removed from the plot of Despicable Me in which a man wants to steal the moon. But in this case, it's like, <laughs> I mean, why steal the moon when you can steal the stars, apparently? Exactly. It's, it's realistically, this is something that like a Bond villain would have done, but not a recent Daniel Craig Bond villain where they all have realistic aims. This would have been like, one of those racist James Bond movies where like he changes into an or, Asian person, or or like a, which is real. I don't know if you've seen that, but there is a James Bond movie in which he literally gets like his skin changed to be Asian James Bond. Yeah, that's Bond. a Pierce Brosnan one. That's no, like it's a not. 1990s no, it's one. Sure it's, it's happened twice. It's, 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 in that um, case, it's happened twice. Wait, yeah, when did you only live twice? No, sorry, wait. The, you yeah, only Pierce live twice. Okay, then Pierce also, Brosnan, sorry, I mean. there was, was another case where something similar happened in The World Is Not Enough, um, oh, where no. a North Korean guy gets like, sh- gets like falls in like a vat of very sharp diamonds and then gets uh, plastic surgery to look white. Oh, yeah. Wow. I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Halcyon times. <laughs> so apparently- you can do that in films and it was totally cool. <laughs> So apparently this is know. this but is the idea now... is that it's as a disguise, right? Because he wants to pretend that he's like a Westerner. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Ralph Northam should have said that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I mean I agree it's fucked up the other way around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the other way around like... is just what people accuse me of doing on Twitter. It's just <laughs> 
Also, crucially, like blackface is not trying to look like a black person. Like that's <laughs> no. not what black people look like. It's really not. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. All right. I, that was that was going to be a quick hit uh, from our friends at Start Rocket, who have rearranged the stars. To, <laughs> who no. said to gamers, "I I will bring you the moon," but instead brought them the stars. Um, yeah. Okay. So basically. Because because we we have an an artist with us today, uh, we we decided we want to talk a little bit about creativity. Riley, it- first of all, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the recognition I deserve at long last. <laughs> that and all all of your weird shirts that proclaim that you're a parent. Hundred percent. Usually it's me. proud Navy mom. Today it's Stanford dad. Yeah, I need to expand the collection. Which One is of my, a, a polite way of saying you have four shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I need to just own more shirts. Sorry, I, sorry, no, I, cut, I cut you off. Eh? What were you saying? No, was good. Do you print these yourself? Or they, no, like, widely so available? I bought this in the Stanford University merchandise store, which is huge. It's like a fucking Walmart. And you can buy Stanford University anything. You can buy like Stanford University dog chews. They're incredible. Uh, and so I was in there with a mate of mine who'd wanted to go in there. And God I was like, well, America. yeah, I was like, now I have to buy something in here because it's so fucking weird. And then we alighted on, on this Stanford dad t-shirt, uh, which uh, it was my birthday. So he bought it for me as a birthday present. And thus, uh-huh. uh, yeah, they now. Go. It's one of the four. It's one of my four T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> I only have room for four T-shirts, Riley. I don't have a house. <laughs> so we found, or we by we I mean I have found five <laughs> five rituals that spark creativity at Amazon, Pinterest, and Flipboard. And Flipboard. We're gonna yeah, Flipboard's like a like a, it's fa- a news aggregator site. Yeah, it's, like it's, a, it's an app that basically you sign up by interest. But it's weird because it's terrible at recognizing the the quality of sources. And so like. For example, if you sign up and you're on Flipboard and you're like, I want to look at news about electric mm-hmm. cars, it just gives you every pr- Tesla press release oh, okay, over great. and over and over again. Because that's what news is. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it, that's it, the it, most it, objective. Ca- yeah. yeah, it's like tortoise, but what if it was worse? It seemed yeah. to be competed out of the market by gettingyourdicksuck.com. <laughs> it's also hilarious you sign up for UK politics. Sorry, it's an American we, app. Have we talked about this on the show at we all? Have no, we have not. not. We tweeted about it. <laughs> I you wanna know. know, but I don't <laughs> Look, okay. this is something Milo- Welcome to how every listener to this podcast always <laughs> like, feels. This is, so, this is something Milo and I were talking about the other mm. day. How much money would it take to get a team of like pedigree, like crack, incredible journalists to do like hard news, investigative reporting, like the kind of stuff that journalism just isn't doesn't really support anymore. And we were just able to make like run it at a loss and it's this incredible site. It's on every roundup. But the catch is, it's called gettingyourdicksuck.com. <laughs> and so everyone has to just cite this website because the journalism is incredible. But BBC has to run these, like, like Cat Paul quotes and it says gettingyourdicksuck.com underneath. I feel like that would get normalized really quickly. Really though. Like everyone oh, rolled their eyes at the Washington Post's democracy dies in darkness thing. But that was just there. You just have to get used to it. I mean, so, like the Daily Beast was a joke from a sitcom and they turned it into a, a site that's actually like, yeah. pretty well known. So, I mean, that's only a few steps removed from getting your dick sucked. <laughs> the daily shout getting your dick sucked. friends in the Daily Beast. Don't get cocky. You're only a couple of steps above getting your dick sucked. <laughs> <laughs> a website which doesn't yet exist, but will. <laughs> Look, if enough people donate to the Patreon, we will start getting your dick sucked.com, but then hire journalists and pay them well. <laughs> We've okay. never had our dicks up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so these are the five rituals that spark creativity at Amazon, Pinterest, and Flipboard. Amazing. Creativity and innovation happen when people break the script, as uh, scare quotes, uh. and make non-obvious connections. 
Rituals can provide a structure for people with a, who want to switch to cr- a creative mindset and push the boundaries of the ordinary. This is starting Amazon. to sound like the Pete Buttigieg fucking weird <laughs> racism text. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of how companies try and co-opt all the cool, trendy hipness of art, isn't it? Like, mm. Try to make it warm and fuzzy while oh, yeah. still being monolithic and faceless and evil. Exactly. Without it's, investing in art ever. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm just struck by it's, the idea of keeping the weirdness so the daily rituals are actually real, like, obscure Tumblr witch shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just take this bag yeah, of it, thigh bones that we stole from a cemetery. At Amazon, we came up with a new shock collar that won't quite kill employees. I thought, ab- I thought about it while I was killing this chicken. <laughs> What was that? Remember that woman who said Creatively. that Amazon Amazon was incredible because she could get next day delivery on like dog torture equipment? I do remember that woman. <laughs> it was me. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so who wants to hear about the first uh, of r- rituals to spark creativity at please. Amazon, Pinterest, Flipboard, and others? Fire away. Mm. Number one, the idea party. Fucking <laughs> wait! Hang on, this is a new name for the independent group. <laughs> <laughs> just the idea just Cucks burst out of the cage like Marilyn Monroe. Oh yeah, <laughs> an idea party is the way to celebrate the end of a workshop or other hands-on session, and to loop the rest of your organization into creative work through a lightweight event. Oh yeah, I love when Jim Jones had one of those. (laughs) (laughs) The idea party is an event that should happen right after a creative session in which the work product from the session is laid out like an art gallery. Ideas and insights are displayed on big foam boards and others are invited to mingle and tour around with drinks and snacks. They can ask questions, leave comments, and then rank which should move forward. This ritual is meant to recognize the hard work of the team and then build on others' expertise to refine their creative work before moving forward. So that's quite a bit just like creating a piece of music. Music, right? No, <laughs> not at all. Again, it's just how they co-opt a quite natural process of musicians getting together, artists mm-hmm. getting together and chilling, and make it all about the bottom line. It's almost like you can't check out of work if that's if that's happening, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, before you quite- chill, you've got to come up with a schedule to decide <laughs> what the chilling's going to. You know, there has to be a memo sent around yep. to decide what what you're going to be focused on during the chilling. I feel like I feel like also when I think about having done a corporate job before, like the idea that you can take that sort of environment of where everything is pressurized, where you're having to come mm. up with things that are supposed to impact the bottom line, or like that are tied to your mm. performance and your ability to keep your job, and then somehow make that into this thing. Because I'm going, you when we get together, if we like are fucking around doing a Photoshop or something, there's no Ooh. stakes involved. <laughs> We're just and, that, and that's that's a weird. Like, 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 I realize there's no stakes involved when we do the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. But there's snacks, though. But I, but, I thought, but I thought about, I thought about that because recently when we did that, I was like, you know, it's weirdly like mentally refreshing when you can actually be creative and there aren't stakes involved, and that I had not felt that in such a long time because mm. I had been in a corporate like environment before where you basically you, you, there's no such thing, and so the idea that you can take mm. take one and put like unless Amazon is also going to not be like the horrible company that squeezes all the juice out of you and fires you like they are. I don't mm. know how you can how you can get that that same kind of energy. Well, it's performative <laughs> at that point. They're You're a more successful Juicero. <laughs> <laughs> They're the people Juicero, basically. What you is can just squeeze but the employees with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the thing. It's like it's. Uh, we do it's not recommend squeezing the employees with your hands. <laughs> Always use the proprietary employee juicer. <laughs> <laughs> at, some, at an event like this, right? It's everyone sort of performing how easygoing, loose, and creative they're being while well, inside. Still at work. <laughs> just having the, right. the anal clench of, if I'm not chill, I'll lose my job. Um, here's an example. Some companies like to do these concept posters in a unique way. For example, Amazon has teams create a cover story at the start in which the ideas at early stages are made into front page magazine covers. This is to build excitement and clarity. 
Well, there, the there's actually kind of precedent for this in the music industry too, where they make out that you're just kind of having a nice chill writing session with a bunch mm. of mates. And if you're k- kind of eager to uh, climb the, the music ladder, then you'll probably just hop along thinking this will be like a jam session while they're secretly taking all of your ideas and not giving you any credit for it. What the oh, shit? Ooh. I mean, that does happen. Really? Ghostwriting sessions or, hey man, Drake called me into be part of his ghostwriting team or just to like share ideas or whatever. Not me personally. But um, it does remind me of things that actually do happen in the music industry because it, it is that. It's not just creativity. Is it? yeah. It's also bottom line. Well, it's, it's that it's that any 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 creative industry is like this, and like this is even this because I'm reading this book right now called Against Creativity by mm. this guy Ollie Mold, and it's about how creativity when it is when it is sort of personally directed is you know wonderful. It's one of the mm-hmm. things that gives our lives meaning, but the whole concept of creativity has been sort of quite limited, and so what you're what you're really doing is you are, instead of do, inventing something yourself, what you're doing is creating to a spec. You know, well, you so know that it's yeah, so it's ahead. a double edged sword, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you have like genuine creativity, like making a podcast with your friends about decks uh, that isn't <laughs> marketable and isn't going to yeah. like sell. And on the other hand, you have the thing where you have to try and sort of be like Don Draper and get like this sort of sentimental creativity. That's you know, uh, what if we you know sold people a projector or something? <laughs> what if we saw people a projector into space? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Racism billboards. It's toasted. <laughs> what, what do gamers want to want to be thought of? <laughs> Why it? adrenaline rush? It's for bitches. <laughs> Look, that's Don. Def- you've done it again. <laughs> Look, let's be honest. That's a monkey's paw wish, right there. Like someone wished for like that their name would be written in the stars, and then like the monkey's paw, the last finger curled in, and now it's been sort of granted in a very sort of cursed and ironic way. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Rush, a son, adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> I want my I want my son's name in the stars. Yeah. <laughs> a really just a really fucked up genie. Mm, okay. yeah. So number two, my son's name, Nazi Moonbase. Miley, Miley, you can't just say things that are actually true. <laughs> Ironically, it has a huge Fanta billboard on the side of the Nazi moon base because, as we know, the Nazis invented Fanta. Coca Cola, that's right. Yeah. So, number two, the fixathon. When an organization has been talking around a problem for a long time, a fixathon is a ritual event to force people to focus on getting the problem solved. It takes the intensity of a hackathon, relentless work in a concentrated spirit, and directs it to <laughs> I love it when wow. my spirit is concentrated. <laughs> and directs it to a specific innovation that needs to happen. So it's like again, how do we keep you really pressurized and panicked mm-hmm. whilst acting really cool yeah. and trendy? Absolutely, creativity is fun, right? Yeah, I was also thinking what you were talking about about the like stealing people's ideas in a jam session kind of thing because hackathons are famous for that shit. That like like hey, you can maybe get noticed in the industry by being a part of this, but then it's like if you create something, they're asking like you have no rights to it. Yeah, and so like Mm. the spirit Mm. of a hackathon is like let's get a bunch of fifteen year olds and make them stay up for a hundred hours coding. Except it's your job. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily know if that's the spirit they want to conjure. The more tired you get, fifteen-year-olds, the more it unlocks their inner genius. I have an example. Facebook regularly runs hackathons and fixathons, 
in which teams have 24 hours to work on something they don't normally do day to day. <laughs> just to make people experience it is something crisis. They do. <laughs> Isn't that just community service? <laughs> I also, I love this, like, the, oh yeah, like working in a really but they're trying to make it sound cool. Like, oh, what if we combined, like, the experience of, like, a weird, like, hippie free-for-all with the spirit of a North Korean labor camp? Like, <laughs> how would it engender the kind of vibe we're looking for at Facebook? Comrade Zuckerberg, we can happily report the goof factory has increased its output by 10%. (laughs) Anyone from an intern Uh, to a senior employee can form a team to create something new, which then will present to the executives showing off their prototypes for the, and here's what you get the chance for, the chance to get their development put into the main pipeline of projects. Oh, great. Yeah. Damn. I love mm. it when that happens. Claim yeah. to fame. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Hey, ba- hey, hey, baby, I don't know what you know, but I actually made the Facebook algorithm a little bit more racist. Uh, <laughs> you I know mean, what this is? Weird. This is the um, the building a model of the nuclear power plant thing <laughs> is your Simpsons <laughs> reference, Riley. Mm. Yes! <laughs> I produced some of the best goo that Kim Jong-un has ever seen. <laughs> I mean, just notice how many generals were taking notes around it. They were impressed by all the goo, yeah. too. I, I was <laughs> given a special star to commend me for my excellent work, but I wasn't allowed to keep it because that would be capitalist. <laughs> I remember that, um, That I mean, you hear these stories about things like that, where somebody, you know, you go work in a, pl- a company like Google, and if you're if you're a full-stack developer or you're, like, mm. a front-end developer or whatever, like, you might literally be working on the line of code that, like, makes the color wheel change color, and that's your job. And obviously, things like that change but mm-hmm. the idea that you're like wow do we put into production it's like okay but are you paying them more are you giving them more benefit? like who knows oh, hell no you're not gonna own <laughs> shit exactly and so in a way it just seems like hey you know how hackers do these crazy things to like make races like racist skin mods for video games we want you to take that same energy but make more money for us and you don't get shit for it right yeah yeah and there are I, I, can't, I can't help envisaging this as an actual person i've actually seen somebody that feels like the, the embodiment of this whole process mm-hmm. at a festival who had like looked really cool he had a top knot and a waxed beard and seemed really affable and hipster like but was a total nice. wanker do you know yeah. what i mean like yeah you know those sorts of people? No, i don't I think- know anyone like that <laughs> <laughs> that actually that description sounds like it could be a wanker hipster but could also be genghis khan <laughs> uh, to be fair also a controversial figure with a top knot yeah. Say some people did think he was quite the wanker in the grand scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? I vaguely recall this, but probably someone more intelligent told me about this. That in medieval Europe, there were all these people who thought that Genghis Khan was the second coming of the Messiah because they just heard about this guy advancing from the east who was like adv- uh, like amassing huge amounts of followers, and they sent all of these like Catholic bishops to go out and meet him, and he just like cut all their heads off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember reading. They the re- up there like, dang, wrong guy, wrong <laughs> guy, not the Messiah. <laughs> yeah. They needed to have a hat, but that's what I call a hackathon. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there was. My, my, I remember my dad told me about this. There was this book that he had to read when he was in the military a long time ago. That was like um, a book about like the leadership strategy of Genghis Khan. How they he, he would take his leaders and they'd go on these rides and like you, the people who made it back who who didn't die in the process. Like that's how they mm-hmm. they like proved them to be like worthy of being lieutenants or whatever. And it's like yes, but I don't know if I mean. Granted, tech companies kind of do that now, where it's just sort of like you wind up dying in the process because you work hundred hour weeks long uh, enough to keel over. Here's a fun thing: I, I have some, I, one of those builds on that. Oh fucking hell yeah! Let's yeah. do it. Here's here's I'm skipping a ritual and going to ritual four: the surprise ride along. Oh good. That's when we make you all ride in a cop car and they just go around, just fucking pulling people over. Close. 
The surprise ride-along is a way to disrupt a project, with leaders whisked away from offices and boardrooms and into the field. They are challenged to set aside their preconceived plans and spend the day listening, watching, and observing the people actually working um, to show how the project is meant to benefit. Isn't that like Undercover Boss? Yep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. I'm sure there's not going to be any kind of like retribution or anything from this like executive surveillance. It's all going to be there listening and learning experience. My my good good friend, uh, Comrade, you're going on a special surprise ride-along at the Lockheed Martin factory in uh, Washington, D.C. So here's the tip. The organizers should arrange the ride-along like a surprise party. The team members should have no idea it's coming, and they should think they're going to be going to work just as usual. Make it as much like extraordinary rendition as possible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking black hoods bundled into a van. You're put on a plane. They start playing that Black Hawk Down music. You're convinced you're in Somalia. That actually is the 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 Genghis Khan ride along. The idea was that like it was completely unannounced. Mm. Nobody knew. They thought it was just a regular day of whatever the hell their you know daily life was. It's like daily pillaging. Their daily pillaging. Their their daily you know step galloping. And uh, instead they just went out and it's like, well, if you die, you die. And the ones who live, they're they're fit to rule or whatever. It's like that's mm. exactly how I want my economy organized. Exactly. It's, it's very fun that a lot of these uh, rituals that are used to spur creativity in large tech companies are really seem to run the gamut from cult to Genghis Khan. Damn, yeah, culturally appropriating stuff Genghis Khan came up with. <laughs> but it could seem quite benign at the outset, you know, yeah. until you get your head well, Genghis off. Khan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> Genghis Khan was the first was the first CEO, when you think about it, it was a gross market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Genghis and Khan liked to symbolize gamers. <laughs> yeah, Genghis Khan liked to symbolize, you know, the conflicting demands of the various stakeholders in a project, and he and he got his um he got his team members to like feel what that was like by tying each of their limbs to a different horse and having them run in different directions, <laughs> by by literally having them hold on to sharpened stakes. <laughs> I'm gonna run through a couple more of these, but then we we do need to we do need to carry on. <laughs> but guys, um, there's a serious point here. <laughs> look, there's there's like always there's just so much. If the if the world was marginally less stupid and terrible, then we could usually get like what feels like a review that does it justice in to an hour or twice a week. Mm. But there's just never enough time. No, uh, this is why we need to why we need to start streaming FIFA so I can just say whatever's on my mind while playing mm-hmm. FIFA. It's just slurs. Mm. <laughs> I was gonna say you need some heated, heated gaming moments. moments yeah, is what you're saying. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can say terrible things about the Irish. Um, so <laughs> the failure the failure wake party. The failure wake party is a way to celebrate the failure of an experiment. It should encourage the team to take risks and to have closure. Team members get together around food, music, and so on. Leaders can say a few words about what's happened, thank all the team members, and remind them that it's okay to fail. And the person who's getting fired has to lie motionless on the table and pretend to be dead. (laughs) This ritual has been used by a pharmaceutical company to keep employees engaged and motivated in an environment where a high percentage of failure is normal. It's set up like a wake, a party after death. And now a word from our Argentinian scientific representative, Dr. Joseph Mengileo. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this- wonderful. Finnegan's, Finnegan's idea wake. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, it's that's the thing. When when like you know Finnegan's not dead, he's just cancelled. When Purdue Pharma- <laughs> when Purdue Pharmaceuticals like fucked up and invented invented an overprescribed fentanyl, then they had to have a wake for the idea. Specifically, the main yeah. casualty yeah. of the fentanyl debacle. Yeah, well, that's just... why they had to have an idea wake because no one real died. I used to be a fly on the wall of the Enron ideas wake. Which is shockingly followed by some actual wakes. <laughs> <laughs> just incentivize failure, basically. Yeah. Mm. The future. 
Yeah, it's, like it. we mm. can't fuck up because we're so venture capital funded. So we're just going to keep doing shit and that's move fast like, and break things. Yeah, like mm. democracy or people's like, you know, limbic systems. Yeah. <laughs> move fast and break things. Another Genghis Khan tactic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're discovering a synergy. Here. Say, at, some, at some point, we're just going to have to write the Genghis Khan CEO book. Like I'm our sure business book is based on, in, on on how to how to how to raid the steps of Central Asia. How to be how to be Genghis Khan, not Genghis Khan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> that, that, that that has strong title contending to yeah. potential. Business Mongol. Mo- <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my! There's another much darker direction that could go. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so here's the here's the last one: the Skillshare Festival. It's a lot like a music festival, but <sighs> it's shitty and boring. Um, because that's the thing. All oh, these, it's, it's, it's like the V Festival. <laughs> all of these, all of these creative um, endeavors. This is sort of you know, building on what you were saying earlier. Like all these creative endeavors. Like it's so weird and sanitized and pressurized, where it's everyone's acting like they're having a good time, and they're acting like they're not stressed about losing their jobs. But also, all of these things have all the aesthetics of of like fun and enjoyment. Right. Beanbags. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> like how can a, you not have fun when you're on a beanbag? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bag full of beans. What a ridiculous idea. What kind of kooky character came up with this? Somehow God. a fourteen hour shift just feels much, yeah. much shorter oh, when I'd you're love in a bean bag. Open a non-alcoholic <laughs> adrenaline rush with that guy. <laughs> it's it just it makes it so much worse. Yeah. You have to pretend that you're having a great time when A, you know you're at work, and B, it's like something shitty like a skill sharing festival. You can't even like, you know, lie down. <laughs> Smuggling cats into the skill sharing festival. <laughs> Your Pinterest, te- so if you like into like baking or something, you'd come and share it with a bunch of people at work. Yeah. What if mm. you don't have any interests? <laughs> you literally just do spreadsheets. That's that's to you. What if your interest was this podcast? Yeah, just explaining the podcast to people. Wonderful. <laughs> like, no, it's called gettingyourdicksucked.com. But actually, it's a respectable news source. Well, the thing is, the debate is actually between whether the dragon is his dick or whether he's actually riding another smaller dragon that just looks like his dick because of the positioning. <laughs> no, he's not Brendan O'Neill. He's no, sorry. I'm going to stop doing this. <laughs> Uh, so it, and again, it's this creating a festive environment so people can stop, you know, crushing themselves on spreadsheets to make them more efficient at later crushing themselves on spreadsheets. Mm. It's like if it's like if if the Juicero asked politely before squeezing the bag, um, yeah, decanting all of our workers into a convenient ball pit. <laughs> God, I mean, I just think there's a longer irony in it as a jazz musician as well. I was thinking about how we're often employed to create the illusion of having fun. Like we're just mm-hmm. on stage jamming, making up music. And if you think about the origins of the music, people were actually often oppressed but having to create this illusion that we're having all this all this fun and coolness and isn't it wacky and creative. It's Wait, just they weren't not- having fun? <laughs> yeah, you know, of course post black people were having a wonderful time in the southern states. Of like the really like a really dumb slave owner who thinks he's just running a summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's having a wonderful time. <laughs> Ready to go down to the swimming hole? Fuck <laughs> me, Jesus! But yeah, I mean, that's that's, well, that's that's part of it. Like literally creating that illusion and pretending that mm, yeah. everything's fine, everything's okay here, mm-hmm. because uh, the cognitive dissonance of having to confront the violence, the inequality that's behind this apparently joyful mm. sound is too much. Interesting. Deep. So, this well, no, that's that's let's let's again follow that. just like this podcast. Let's, let's say let's follow that for a sec, because like a lot of 
a lot of creativity isn't just something that spontaneously happens because you you get put into a ball pit. Right. It is mm. something that does happen to like get round adversity. Yeah. And also with the failure thing too. That you don't have empirical outcomes with creativity. A lot of the music that we celebrate today was discarded literally by the industry. Nobody thought jazz was gonna be a multi billion everyone thought hip hop was just a waste of time. Like stick with disco, it's just a bunch of crazy black and Hispanic kids spinning on cardboard. Who wants mm. to listen to that? <laughs> and look where we are today. <laughs> and then it get, but then it, and then that's what happens. It gets, it's it's the um, it's like a, there's that great Baffler article, commodify your descent, right? Where there is there's nothing you can create that hasn't already been anticipated by someone from like a, a Coca Cola executive who's gonna put it on a T-shirt. Like remember mm. that, remember that ad a while ago when Pep when Pepsi had Kendall Jenner leading a fake protest oh, but just said join the conversation yeah. then uh. gave someone a Pepsi. Oh, no, With, no, no, she gave a police officer a Pepsi. She gave a cop a Pepsi. <laughs> totally fixed everything. Yeah. yeah so fa famously, the cops are really cool with protesters and like it when they get gifts from yeah. them. Famously <laughs> happens a lot in America. Hey, hey, the cops, chill out. Have an adrenaline rush. <laughs> oh, God. And then the cop I did takes hear a story about somebody doing that to an actual cop at a protest and handing them a Pepsi, which they had just shaken up beforehand. <laughs> did not respond to it well. Damn. That's now, Genius. Ooh, now that's what I call praxis 69. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for someone to go fund go to go fund me a Blue Lives Matter to make that cop's day a little bit better. But writing it in the stars, <laughs> a cop with just like a Pepsi dripping down his face, going, "Well, oh, now I really hate gamers <laughs> for some reason." <laughs> it's, the, it's the going back to it. What this what this all strikes me as is all of these all of these rituals that we're talking about are there to create the semblance of people coming together mm -hmm. to do something that they want to do, right. but to sap all of that energy and turn it into you know like a new line for the facebook algorithm or a new kind of like fentanyl or whatever yeah well it's the great binary in music as well is that for us as creatives it's often about creating stuff that brings people together different demographies different ages playing music that unites different people who can't even speak each other's language often mm -hmm. the industry is about subdividing people putting them in little nice boxes so you can market things to the under 25s and to this demographic and this ethnographic subcategory etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's kind of what delineates it in the industry. It's like, you know, how can we commodify it all, basically? Yeah. The thing is, in that field of music, it's not really the creativity ritual so much as the space between the creativity ritual. <laughs> <laughs> so how about the skills they don't share? <laughs> <laughs> My secret skills. In the, in the case of someone who's interested in this podcast, it literally, it should be about the interest they don't share. Yeah. Please don't. don't Do not tell your employer that you like this podcast. <laughs> um... <laughs> Any case. <laughs> Gettingyourdicksuck.com is a patented idea. You cannot steal it. <laughs> I've already been thinking, it's got to be called Guides, right? Or Gids. So oh. that's, that's what they do on the BBC. Yeah. 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 Damn. They've done All right. already. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> this has been brought to you by Gids. We've got <laughs> our com. first angel investor. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the theme tune at least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you log on, it plays it. Saxophone. And then a gratuitously long saxophone solo. <laughs> like, like seven minutes of like Dave Brubeck style. It starts off slow and, yeah. <laughs> and builds up to a yeah, huge orchestral now. crescendo with the sax <laughs> out front. But we have to emphasize, people will sit through it because the journalism is Amazing. That's the bottom yeah. line. <laughs>
That's why we're here, people. Donate to the Patreons. We can make this happen, please. We will get Zizek for gettingyourdicksucked.com. Well, the irony of the shite is that actually getting your dick shocked is something of an outdated concept, in my opinion. (laughs) So sorry, Romanian Joker Zizek, this is now. I mean, Zizek does sound like the Romanian Joker. really good. Really (laughs) good. I I I can see him. He's here in the studio. (laughs) He's here in the studio rubbing his nose. (laughs) So... um, I think that so these these are the these are the rituals of creativity. Um, I, I, it's going to be how long until they do human sacrifice? Mm, it only well, remains to let see. Let me tell you about my five productive rituals. They're called uh, <laughs> dawn, prayer, morning, afternoon. <laughs> yeah, this it's to keep slowly influencing <laughs> creeping Sharia. Wonderful. So just to 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 wrap things up today, um, I found a I found I could not help but have found this article because sometimes. The article just... It was it written just, in the stars. It, uh, in a sense, sort of. <laughs> yes. I, I look, that's the other thing. Number one thing we're going to do when, when the Patreon finally gets Chapo money is gettingyourdicksuck.com. Number two, uh, it's going to be writing this particular article in the stars. <laughs> it's going to be like the opening crawl of a Star Wars film. <laughs> is it just going <laughs> to be telling gamers, you to though? But it's telling you, you to respect, respect gamers, gamers and <laughs> to join my NATO or watch Critical Thinking Die by Niall Ferguson. Uh, is this going to be like the original NATO and that it's mostly going to be stocked with former Nazis? Um, <laughs> probably. Just sounding the libel klaxon right there. But. <laughs> NATO stands for not actually technically owned. <laughs> <laughs> was that technically libel? I don't think No, it I mean. No, I it's, 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 it's historical fact. Most of the, like, West German military afterwards, after the war, were, like, rehabilitated former Nazis. Yes, rehabilitated. Mm. Um, right. 70 years ago this month, Ferguson writes, NATO was established to protect Western Europe and the freedoms of its inhabitants from the threat of Soviet communism. It has become clear to me that we now need a similar organization to protect Western intellectuals from a growing threat to academic freedom. Hmm, we, need, we need nukes because people keep replying to me on Twitter with is, the image of is, a guy pooping onto his own balls. Is he suggesting that we need some kind of uh, academic um, safe space? Safe space, exactly. <laughs> Damn. For illiberal snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in, in those days, a small but courageous group of Western academics did what they could do to expose the wickedness of communism, which was not obviously talked about in Western academe at they, all. They, they did extremely, mm. the extremely courageous thing and took money from the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> and to support political and religious dissidents in the Soviet sphere of influence. A member of that group was Roger Scruton. Who recently uh, was, did quite an, and this is me editorializing, uh, recently did a quite spicy interview with a friend of the show, George Eaton, which I recommend you go read in the New Statesman. Um, in fact, the background of this is that he was then sacked because of all the batshit insane things he said. So Ferguson is basically coming to his defense in this article. As has Jordan Peterson. Like, There's a whole bunch of Vertcomers uh, academics. Dave Rubin. Dave the, Rubin. Same, the same people that are all friends with Barry Weiss. <laughs> Douglas Murray Truly truly an, an Avengers United of people you don't want to be defended by <laughs> The Injustice League <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I appreciate Hitler Jr.'s sentiments, but <laughs> I feel he's not helping my case During the 1980s, Scruton travelled to communist-controlled Czechoslovakia to assist an underground education network run by Czech dissident Julius Toman in 1985, during a trip to Brno, Scruton was arrested and expelled, it's implied, for having an opposing view. Which I'd like to add here, 
Please remember that Niall Ferguson teamed up with a group of student Republicans uh, to wage a covert battle against his own student who he deemed too left wing, conduct opposition wow. research on him, and I believe try to get him kicked out of the university. He did, and he also employed one of his students who was getting a, a, or a I think he was a PhD student in economic history, uh, to basically attack the student and try to like use that the credentials of his econ history PhD to be like, actually, I know what I'm talking about. It's econ 101. Yeah. Like yeah. basically, he, he, he's not confident enough to argue this on his own, so instead he as a professor somehow enlists students grad students yeah. to also harass his undergrads yeah, yeah. This, and this, no, this was just NATO. like to stop him getting owned in like seminars or tutorials yes. yeah. Yeah. amazing this, <laughs> no, this is even worse than that the students were protesting probably one of his books about why you know colonialism was good uh-huh. and so this wasn't even one of his students as I understand it the undergrad in question were just students who were basically protesting the fact that Niall Ferguson got like a visiting mm. fellowship from Stanford that's so bad he was, free speech he was mad mm. that they were protesting and they they hadn't even inconvenienced him in his own classroom they just existed mm-hmm. and thus they had to be destroyed so i just still can't get over the idea of roger scruton going to czechoslovakia as like an undercover intellectual to help out these like anti-communist <laughs> dissidents just because like all of roger scruton's interests are like insane and abstruse he's going like <laughs> yes well as you know the worst thing about the communist regime in czechoslovakia is they're taking away all the cl- corinthian co- columns and promoting the idea of clitoral stimulation and all the distance are like yes Okay. Uh, we were more worried about the gulags, but okay. <laughs> I guess also this. One of, his, one of his own students would have been like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell him they're coming for him and that he has to run. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Scruton sneaks in a, like a wooden crate of aid that they think is weapons to the, con- the anti-communist resistance. And it's just a bunch of really racist salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> <laughs> the really uh, personally slightly tragic thing for me is I, I remember I was at Oxford as an undergraduate doing history and Niall Ferguson was this dashing new lecturer who had come up with this idea of counterfactual history. And back then, I guess everyone could sort of posture as without an ideology. Mm-hmm. Could sort of have this air of veracity because he's an Oxford Don, a very young one, and could sort mm-hmm. of go around pontificating about what history is all about. And over time, they've just been exposed as lunatics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think I think also as total academic frauds too, in the right. sense that like when you actually get down to what they're arguing, if you if you go line by line, it's just absurd. I mean, like it's not it's not necessarily it's not like like fabricated, but it's such a bad, mm. obvious on its face bad faith reading of things. You're like, how did this person ever get popular? And then you realize like, oh yeah, because Stephen Pinker is popular and he writes books about cloud ships and fucking. You know. <laughs> and it's that whole end of history stuff. It was yeah. unassailed. Yeah. You know, we we won. <laughs> Everything's great with neoliberalism. There's no such thing as an ideology of neoliberalism. We are well, I mean, the winners. They were all, all fearing for their jobs at the end of history because you know they were all doing history. So the the history was going to run out. <laughs> they needed to Ferguson do an was, ideas festival. Was by far the most yeah. malign of these because he was like. Uh, sort of like the most transparent defender of empire, and so he would be writing these things like, "Ah, so the there's the so-called tolerant left wants a, a safe space in this square in Amritsar, and they're afraid of rational debates." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little bit of massacre never hurt anybody. What, what? <laughs> Shoot the blighters. Um, yeah, it's free speech to do that. But then to say you shouldn't mm. do that, that's a Stalinism. 
It's, yeah. also, it's yeah. also bad when communists do that, but it's good when we do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Thought police. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I love the fact that thought police meme gets thrown it's, out. It's, yeah. it's thought terrorists versus thought freedom fighters, yeah. essentially. Until you put on your dungarees, and then it's good when communists do it and bad when everyone else does it. <laughs> I hate it when the thought jahideen get their funding cut by the damn libs. No, thought jahideen is an Instagram account I would absolutely follow. <laughs> For different reasons. Um, so, <laughs> scrutin. Just like Osama Bin Laden with a photoshopped huge ass. <laughs> You're just scrutin. already talking about my new brand. Jesus, <laughs> uh, Alice, I might want you to jump in with the with the sex stuff after this oh, uh, please, because yeah. Ferguson writes, <laughs> Scruton has one of the most powerful minds I have ever encountered. <laughs> no, the one of the smoothest no. frames. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Roger Scruton oh. can move small objects by nothing but squeezing his eyes closed and thinking about a vagina. <laughs> Telekinesis. That's wonderful. Roger Scruton, or as we call him, Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he is one of those rare thinkers who seeks to change the world as well as understand and explain it. Again, uh, no other thinker has ever said that. In no. some why kind do, of thesis on Feuerbach, maybe. Why do all these guys always end up in America, too? Like, Scruton moved to the States a while back, so did Neil Ferguson. They love a rumpled English dickhead, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> basically. They've got the accent. Mm. Yeah, oh, it sounds it, hot. It, the, the the accent and like the the imprimatur of like the the institutions that they got their degrees at makes mm. people think they must be smart. When when you actually move to Britain as an American like me, you're like, wow, people mm. are dumb as shit. <laughs> <laughs> we, we must we must not only seek to understand the Hamburglar, but also to use what we had learned to change the world in a positive direction. Now, here's this is also <laughs> funny. <laughs> Fucking Niall Statham over there. There was a time <laughs> when these qualities were venerated. In 1998, he was awarded the Czech Republic's Medal of of merit by its then president Václav Havel, himself a former dissident, and I also note again editorially <laughs> me about the evils of the clitoris. <laughs> I also note here editorially that um, Scruton and former dissident Victor Orban are also very close friends. Excellent, very cool. It's all about what you're a dissident against, isn't it? Really, I mean, like Hitler was at one point a dissident. <laughs> I, I, I like that we're sort of a, a hate figure podcast for tankies and stuff, and yet the line that we're taking here is, I think correctly that well when the soviets said that a lot of these dissidents were actually just fascists and weirdos they were entirely oh, right i've had a like, point yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope they're thought freedom fighters let's not forget that damn. Come on, get it right damn everyone was bad this is just remember how everything that that the uh that the change uk proposes is not connected to ideology but it's just facts and everything everyone else does is ideology mm. this is like that it's that when they're trying to like you know do oppo research on their students for who keep embarrassing them in seminars or protesting <laughs> that's the thought police whereas anytime anyone just tells them please stop saying that actually the indians had it coming that's a stalinism um mm. so uh i'll carry on a month rarely passes without some, some such tale of a conservative academic being quote-unquote taken down actually no sorry before i go into that mm. uh alice can you please um reveal what he has to <laughs> why oh, we keep talking about is, vaginas this is delightful okay let, let me read you this paragraph <laughs> This is by Roger Scruton, so this is a quote. I'm literally rubbing my hands in anticipation. Mm. Consider the woman who plays with her clitoris during our act of coition. Such a person affronts mm. me with the obscene display of her body, and, in perceiving her thus, I perceive my own irrelevance. She becomes oh, disgusting wow. to me, and my desire may be extinguished. The woman's desire is satisfied at the expense of mine, and no real union can be achieved between us. 
Roger Scruton, please leave this strip club. I <laughs> <laughs> told you to stop coming here. It's the only so union who's ever been Closes in down a laptop in disgust. Roger Scruton was actually fighting a dissident campaign to, you know, to stop the Czech Republic's communist government's campaign against <laughs> horniness. So he and the horniest men in England had to sneak in through the Austrian border just, you know, to just get everybody fired up and be like, but no woman is allowed to ever feel any pleasure because yeah. then mm. then the then the impression is ruined for me. Yeah, that, well, we were going to bring some horny people with us from Austria, but they were all busy. Well, that's a great thing. Remember, like that all, so many of these conservative academics, their whole shtick is basically to take their individual psychoses and just generalize them. It's like, mm. well, obviously the female orgasm is gross and weird. Like, of course, I'll put that in my philosophy book. Alice, yeah. I got to ask, so that was in his, one of his books? Uh, I believe so, yeah. It was on, I think, on sexuality. Yes. Amazing. Oh, because clearly the book I want to read on sexuality is by Roger fucking Hell Scruton. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love to think of Roger Scruton getting <laughs> down. I, I want, well, this see, was, I, I want Dark Ian McKellen writing a book about fucking sexuality. <laughs> I want to I see his, the, I want to see him just going to town, his high IQ haircut, mm. bobbing up and down. Oh, God. It wouldn't surprise me, though, because he also like, became a, a social justice warrior against female genital mutilation or something <laughs> <laughs> in, the same, in the same breath because of the Well, he thinks that's just what happens if you, like, touch it ever. <laughs> uh, so, so two Falls things up. first of all externally obviously Roger Scruton is the love child of Ian McKellen and John Hurt we've established this um, and like, second of all oh, I forgot what the second thing was what was I going to say second so of all so you got distracted by all the fucking awesome and Damn, sexy images got, of Roger got, Scruton getting down to business <laughs> just thinking about Roger Scruton like stroking your hair rubbing your shoulders oh yeah my I, can never, all, I can never imagine Roger Scruton being young though like the youngest I can imagine him being is like Stephen Ray hey, the man's like, like Jacob mm -hmm. Rees-Mogg yeah. He was never young. Yeah. No, the second thing is that Roger Scruton is like so ridiculous public intellectual that he's wrapped all the way around into being a character from The Sopranos where he's like, hey, eating pussy is gay, yo. <laughs> he's just Junior Soprano. <laughs> no, because Junior Soprano eats pussy but denies it. <laughs> um, a month rarely passes without some tale of a conservative academic being quote unquote taken down. In March, it was the turn of the Canadian psychologist. It does, actually. <laughs> there are several months that go past conservative <laughs> academics still have their job. Yeah. And also, mm. also, like a vast conspiracy against conservative academics is the only reason that they keep getting embarrassed in public. Right. It couldn't be mm. anything else. Well, no. They're saying anything embarrassing. No. 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 The things that they say and believe and do. Not nah. embarrassing at all. No. That's just freedom of speech. It can't be any of those things. So we won't even investigate that as an option. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be ridiculous. Um, Powerful mind. In March, it was the turn of Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, who was informed by Cambridge that his visiting fellowship had he had been offered at the Faculty of Divinity was being cancelled. That's reason... like getting murdered, basically. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly like getting Damn. murdered. The reason. At a book signing, he had been photographed standing next to a man with a t-shirt bearing the, in parentheses, obviously facetious slogan, I'm a proud Islamophobe. <sighs> Mm. Uh, is that obviously in facetious in any way? Two weeks before no, the Christchurch shooting? Yeah, th absolutely. That, that, this is, yeah. Niall Ferguson's a historian, but his history kind of... He hasn't taken in new information since 1992. That's the key <laughs> issue. I, unless it pertains to him personally. Yeah. Everything since the last thing he can remember is the film Basic Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting really frightened of it. <laughs> what an obscene display of sexuality. Reclose those legs at once. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's it, the the 
it is more important that we give Jordan Peterson the benefit of the doubt and in so doing keep giving him prestigious and lucrative jobs, which is mm. what the benefit of the doubt means. I've, I'm yeah. working no on a grand, what he unified, a grand unified theory of these guys, which is that they're all a different kind of Twitter weirdo, right? Like, right. Go on. Yep. Neil Ferguson is the kind of guy who has like a bulldog Avi and like gets up in your mentions after you say something about how Britain might be bad to talk about the Nazis. Okay. Um, Jordan Peterson obviously is like a gamer gay guy. This yep. guy is like, because the thing that he got in trouble for, he got fired for um, like an architecture commission, right? Yeah. Build it so, better, build it yeah. beautiful commission. Scrutin. So, mm -hmm. Scrutin. Right. Yeah. So. He's the walking version of one of those, like, fetishistic Western architecture Twitters that Nazis <laughs> like. He's fucking statue Twitter, basically. He's a statue yes. guy. Yes. Yeah, they, where they, like, post pictures of, like, Rococo abbeys in Austria and, like, mm, yes, yeah, so wonderful, the, the, the delightful, could, ne could never be made now, because the Islam... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their, their whole their whole stick is, like, this weird kind of, like, clumsily curated... Western culture is superior thing, and it's always like Greek and Roman statues or, you know, high Renaissance paintings and be like, hmm, this is what white people created. And it's like, fuck's sake. Okay, great. And, yeah. But like that, that is definitely a type. And I think the, the, I, to your point, Alice, it feels like somebody like Roger Scruton, while he couldn't necessarily be on Twitter saying like only white people can create true art, if he mm. writes that in, you know, sort of philosophical wrapping paper, then also, he basically is making the same argument. I wonder how they respond to like new things like the Elgin marbles were actually painted or, yeah. mm. you know, Cheddar Man existed. Yeah, that's that's, that's fake news. It's, it's like, the, um, <laughs> it's like the, the apocryphal story about John Ruskin, the art critic, who like he got married and he almost fainted when he saw his wife because all of the statues that he'd seen had no pubic hair. So he just didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so some breaking news to like end off the uh, off the ticker. Yes. Um, someone has done some praxis because Notre Dame Cathedral is now on fire. So, right as I was saying that, uh, wow, damn, must be the yeah. Muslims again. <laughs> Those hordes of invaders and infidels. Yeah, at the yeah. gates. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> the Visigoths are back, baby. <laughs> mm. When I say I want a goth GF, this is what I mean. <laughs> Um, so, before before that even, it was U.S. political scientist Samuel Abrams, who now faces tenure review at Sarah Lawrence College in New York. Not tenure review. <laughs> and also, like, being murdered. It's exactly the same thing. Damn. I hate it when people review my tenure. His thought crime... <laughs> An article pointing out that academic administrators were even more left-leaning than professors. I looked into this. It's not what Niall Ferguson says, obviously. You don't really, say. Niall Ferguson being intellectually dishonest? Shocker. <gasps> oh, no. I remember that name, <laughs> Abrams. I can't remember precisely what his... No, 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 the, the, this guy. But I, I, yeah. I don't remember precisely what his, his like, insane bugbear is. Look, um, I, of it, I wouldn't be me if I didn't have this in front of me already. Oh, of course. <laughs> is, is, is he a race science guy? Because I th that's um, what he's in my is head it, like, as. Is to do with, like, a... Like a LGBT or trans student club thing? No, no, no. This is this isn't the startup segment. I will be. Mm. I'll just be telling you. You don't have to guess. Um, <laughs> as as a conservative leaning professor who has long. This is from the Samuel Abrams is writing. I'm not a conservative leaning mm. professor. Um, <laughs> well, as a conservative leaning professor who has long promoted a diversity of viewpoints among my very liberal faculty and colleagues in my classes. What a nice guy. I was. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for promoting a conservative <laughs> viewpoint. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know where this is going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was taken aback by the college's sponsorship of politically lopsided events. Abrams said he soon learned that the Office of Student Affairs on his campus was organizing many overtly progressive events, programs with names like Stay Healthy and Stay Woke, Microaggressions, and worst of all, Understanding White Privilege, without Stay offering healthy. Worst of all. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> he, sorry, I added worst of all. He's oh. like, for any event promoting health, there should be an event promoting sickness. <laughs> because that is balance. Well, Roger Scruton used yeah. to do that. Like, he used to write articles for Big Tobacco. So, oh, cool. yeah, no, this is balance. Yeah, and he used to. The, the, tobacco is an excellent product because it withers the clitoris. Gets a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> tobacco, you know, he's, he's just like just repeating 1960s cigarette ads. Like, it's yes, toasted, baby. The, the Western tradition is to talk about how you need flavor in your T zone in order to stave off colds. <laughs> uh, so, I love it. Understanding white privilege without offering any programming that offered a meaningful alternative. <laughs> Not understanding wow. my privilege. Wow. <laughs> Even for that, how to mistake it. Most probably his classes, to be fair, were misunderstanding white privilege still. <laughs> and yet when I try and host it, it's just a helpful seminar on why don't we put the gollywogs back on the jam. <laughs> Suddenly, Just for some I'm perspective, all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> there they come. All yeah. the fuzzy wuzzies at once. It just tastes better. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, it's like it, You can sense the panic in the behind the words, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've talked about this before about how the word intersectionality is there's like f- there, there's a very small cadre of people who've actually read Kimberly Crenshaw and everybody else is just angry dads who write for right wing magazines yeah. mm. furious mm. by it and whenever they see it in college any context whatsoever they just lose their minds because they're convinced there's like they're trying to make it illegal to be white and it's like to be fair we are we don't have intersectionality in Oxfordshire thank you it's against the law to be British now whereas it should be legal to eat pussy. <laughs> uh, right? I Contraband. Love this, yeah. <laughs> it's just so, it's so great. It's like, it's like, remember, let's go back to what Ferguson wrote that this guy, his thought crime pointing out that academic administrators are more left-leaning than professors when actually what he's trying to do is offer counter-programming to understanding white privilege seminars. That's very different. <laughs> I would love to let him run it though. I, I want to know what the counterpoint because I feel like that's Final. one of those things where like he would get all horned up for the idea of running a counter seminar, uh. but then he would actually find it extremely difficult to know what he was talking. So it's like, well, <laughs> he'd, he'd choke. He'd be like Eminem at the first uh, rap battle. <laughs> Does he just, he just like, he's like, yeah, I am a fucking bum. I do live in a trailer with my mom. <laughs> and let's not go forget. ahead and tell these people something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell these people something they definitely already think they know, which is the empire was fine, actually. Oh, you think that uh, white privilege is a thing? Well, have you heard of a, a, a little young man known as Eminem? <laughs> and let's not forget professors Nigel Bigger and Bruce Gilly, both Nigel denounced- Bigger, the man is named you cannot spoonerize. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a season. Nigel, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's immune to getting He's insulted. immune. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's our he's our Magneto. He is he's too powerful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the boy who lived, Nigel. <laughs> both Bruce Gilly both denounced last year for daring to point out that not every aspect of the history of the British Empire was a crime against humanity. I could go Just on, most. but you get the picture. Just most of them. Mm. It's remarkable how little the dial has ch- like shifted. I've been saying literally the same thing for twenty years. Slavery did some actually quite commendable things. For yeah, West Africa. We built railways we- in India for fuck's sake. Railways. Yeah. Railway trains. <laughs> Who doesn't like trains? <laughs> the left <laughs> love trains. <laughs> and suddenly when we build them. <laughs> 
Sorry, love sugar. Sorry. <laughs> don't ask any questions about how we got it. <laughs> <laughs> they love their Indian restaurants with spices. Where do you think we got the spices? <laughs> yes, but slavery was bad, but now Bristol has a lovely concert hall. <laughs> and who doesn't love concerts? <laughs> but yeah, the thing, it's scary. Like, is their whole thing is that it's anything, any minute challenge to their to the worldview that they got in like. GCSE history is considered beyond it, the pale. It's, it's like TERFs, right? Like, their thing about yeah. there's only two genders and you can't change them. Because, And I know that because I did eighth grade biology and I'm not going to pay attention <laughs> to any science after that. I know this because I did AQA history at A-level, thank you very much, and that means that I saw that cartoon of Hitler and Stalin are equally bad and nothing else, and I'm not going to like challenge that or learn anything. Absolutely not. It, it, the whole thing is like I've I brought this. This is a comparison I've made in the past. I think it's appropriate to make again. Is that every time you see these people who offer these high-minded defenses of sort of of that how they are generals of the mind or whatever. When it's we say high-minded, we mean <laughs> it's like it's a lot like it's a lot like being super high, being like haughtily <laughs> haughtily condescended to by someone reading a book upside down. Like it's just right. it's, well, they never do any fucking work. <laughs> like they're all purportedly historians. When what actual study do they do besides teaching these just, endless well, it's fucking seminars about like the <laughs> dressed up version of it's okay to be white? I, I'm so fucking pissed that I have like to have everybody these poops, but for being white. <laughs> these fucking sclerotic contrarians taking up yeah. space in my mind. I have yeah. better things I could be doing. I, I, I've been getting into Red Dead Redemption. I have this girl who wants to practice rope on the You're going to need to extend instead, your palace, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> instead, I'm doing this. And from now on, and there is some tiny part of my brain, Roger fucking Scruton is going to be there, and I have to remember who he is. So thank you for this, right? Like, for dragging Jeez, me Nigel off my figure is bed. now occupying. <laughs> Alice stumbles into a storage room of her mind palace, and there is sat Roger Scruton going, Have you ever considered Fingers what if the burglar stole the clitoris? <laughs> and here's the, here's the other. The, uh, the, the, there are two kinds of universal element to these conservative articles. One is um, everything I learned about everything I learned in Economics 101 or GCSE history or eighth grade mm -hmm. biology. The other thing is where they accidentally admit that everyone hates them. <laughs> the most striking feature is the near complete isolation of the target. Did Abrams's colleagues step up to defend academic freedom? His academic freedom, rather? On the contrary, 40 of his fellow professors endorsed the, students le the student leftist demands that his tenure be reviewed. You know what this Damn. is like, though? It's, it's, it's not on the right, but do you remember that article Zizek wrote about just getting owned by his kid? <laughs> it was like uh, I, sh I sit down for dinner with my son and he tells me to go fuck myself and like <laughs> he just he and just I say why that. would I do this this is a waste of time yeah. <laughs> I could have a machine fuck itself while I think about James Joyce or something uh, yeah it's clearly if this He's just widely disliked by everyone yeah. around him because he wants to lead a seminar on misunderstanding history. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I just feel like there's this underlying current between all these people and, 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 and between the people that defend them, certainly the, the, the ones of a certain age that defend them and want to go on about like the snowflakes, etc. It's basically, mm. my dad loved Winston Churchill. 
he didn't love me, but I have to love Winston <laughs> Churchill because my, my dad will love me somehow. I read Scruton's biography in preparation for this, and there's some strong oh, wow. daddy well issues content oh, there. No, so, nice. so he's he was a grammar school boy. He went. He grew up in like the Midlands, I think. And his dad was hardcore revolutionary communist, which king. Um, <laughs> he's he's said before Toby, that yeah. Corbyn reminds him yeah. of his dad. And my favorite detail oh, yes. that I picked out is, yeah, is that when he told his parents that he'd gotten into uh, gotten a place at Cambridge, his father stopped speaking to him. <laughs> <laughs> just owned, just uh, my, just bodied. I hate you, Jeremy. I mean, Dad. <laughs> my father also made jam, and, it, and it, always, it always stuck with me how he would tear the gollywogs from the labels, and I would collect the little pieces and stick them back together and make hand puppets of them, enjoying their work tilling the fields. Uh, and the problem is, like, now... Picking the marrows. Now... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we've got a lot of marrows on this here plantation. Uh, so we're always going to need marrows. God, you've been you've been going to some strange places with the accents today. Yeah. I'm just enjoying the idea of a Louisiana marrow plantation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they call that a course down in these parts. Yeah, so that's 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 the cool <laughs> thing. Space. I don't know what the fuck a marrow is. Oh, it's 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 like a it's like a big it's like a big zucchini. If you if you Google, it looks like a zucchini, but it's like holding a gigantic one. Yeah, I've never heard that word. An English ass vegetable. So so the French word courgette is small a small courge, which is a marrow. Okay, 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 okay. I get it now. Yeah, yeah. I'm so confused. You could you could read it on my face. I'm like, what? I thought I thought you were just upset by the accent. No, I I know what a marrow is. I was upset by the accent. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think no he's just pretended to think. know what it is so you'd stop doing the accent. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Oh, 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 well, that's how we got ourselves into the classic conundrum down here. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what a marrow is in these days. God damn it. I, I don't even what? know. So, planning <laughs> for the new Bristol Transform, well, but it's just you Somerset go around Battle everyone had a marrow. <laughs> We used to joke you about this. Marrow on every street Whenever corner. I try to do an English accent, Milo makes fun of me because I went up sounding like. like no, do, do, do one then. No, I, 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 I want to sound like a Canadian Australian, basically. Whereas yeah, do when it, Milo does an Amer a Southern American accent, it's like he he went south of New Orleans and went into the ocean. It's like a that no one knows about anymore. I'm drinking BP oil spill. Yeah, he's and young, and now you're ready to be a conservative intellectual. Huge. Um, so the the article concludes. <laughs> what, what does it tell us about a hamburger? <laughs> that he only steals hamburgers, but he never steals marrows. <laughs> so the lesson of the, the lesson of the Cold War is clear, which should have annihilated all of us. So I didn't have to listen to those terrible accents. Oh, I thought that was a genuine quote from the article. No. For a second. I was like, the lesson from the Cold War is clear. I was like, should go have on. Annihilated us all. No, this My is, dick was hardening this, in anticipation okay, of that. This quote. is from the actual article. Okay. The lesson from the Cold War is clear. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. From now on, an attack on one of us must be considered an attack on all of us. I therefore invite all who believe in the fundamental human freedoms to sign a new non-conformist academic treaty. I like that nobody's going to wow. do this. Yeah. Like you in, fuck with screw in, in, you Ferguson. In 2005, you could at least do like a Houston manifesto for like muscular liberalism and principled intervention. Mm. Now you just print this thing. You don't actually expect anyone to sign the fucking thing. So, yeah, wonderful. 
Yeah. It's what? just like intellectual Brian Adams. Because it's all for one and all for just staying that white privilege isn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, it's, we have to defend our right. Because when you think about right, it, like, can you format that in 14 words? It is amazing to me because many of the things they're complaining about is that someone wrote a mean article about me, or even not even a mean article, Mm. just like an article that's critical of what I've said, or someone said something disrespectful to me on Twitter. And the worst thing is, that's relatable. Like, when somebody says something mean about me on Twitter, I am like, I have been murdered. This is worse (laughs) than having murdered me. I I too want to invoke the NATO charter and invade Afghanistan because somebody made fun of me on Twitter. I I hate it when gettingyourdicksucked.com factually reports something I said (laughs) and I go to tenure review. But I I really do, it it really does come down to, it should be illegal for people to disagree with me. Well, it's all yeah. really, really. <laughs> yeah. But also, Stop reading my Tinder Also, bio. bristling with sexual inadequacy and obsolescence. <laughs> I think that's mm. underpinning it all, too. These women don't need me to pleasure themselves. <laughs> ah! They've got the marrows. They can touch themselves however they want. Well, the, other, the other thing, though, the like. The obscene spectacle of a woman pleasuring herself in a marrow. Is the that other is a food stuff, oh. now. It just sounds like you're advertising this in some hideous country show. <laughs> Step this way for a woman. Now look at here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't That's want to a... join in. I'll, I'll leave you to <laughs> That's a fine vegetable. Well, look. The one thing, the one thing I think it is important to remember, right, is that these guys aren't just wanting to be agreed with and like sh- liked. It's like the one thing that they're trying to do, but they also have these incredible grifts they're trying to preserve. Mm. Roger Scruton just gets to like do a loose sort of um, a word association about how like his weird sexual hangups, and then he gets paid an enormous sum of money for it. Mm. Niall Ferguson gets to never have learned anything new since he was fifteen and get paid an enormous sum of money for it, like. What well, they're we, really we, we like get John to do Stuart those and get paid a m- small amount of money yeah. for it. <laughs> so what they're what I think what Ferguson is really talking about is actually like no, we have an incredible grift going. We need to stand yeah. firm to make sure we keep stacking this paper. We need to. We yeah. have secured the bag. We must keep <laughs> the bag. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, All of these people probably see it. Right. <laughs> and that's it. Like insecurity of tenure is something that uh, Nicola Ruddock, uh, professor, done great work about how black female academics find it impossible to ascend the academic ladder in most British universities. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. No, that's that's actually actually meritocracy. If they did STEM subjects, of course. (laughs) Nah, they did themselves more marrows. It's the the sheer incapability of any kind of self-reflection upon, like, the Niall Ferguson and Richard Dawkins of the world. Mm. Because, like, you'd know if they were able to think about this for five seconds, then he wouldn't have written an article talking about how, like, it's basically it's a Stalinism when like when my friend tries to start a misunderstanding white supremacy seminar and gets his tenure reviewed for it. Meanwhile, as you're saying, like black female academics like are even like controlling for rep- representation are still underrepresented in getting tenure. Right, right. And it's something that every black professor I've met has had to contend with. I have to shift universities. The faculty is not going to be supported this year, etc. Mm. The idea that this calcified racism has just kind of stayed in place for at least 20, 30 years, unchallenged, and probably way longer than that, obviously, is what's so terrifying to them. And it does tie into the, dare I say it again, the sexual insecurity. It's just, everything was fine <laughs> before you stopped, started putting your hands down there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's wrong with being calcified. It suits me perfectly fine. So, I'll, 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 ra- I'll wrap up the article here because it finishes on quote, 
quite a sentence. Okay. Considering the conversation we've just had, Drum roll. it fitters mm. on quite a sentence. Mm. Okay. The present danger to free thought and speech is not Red Army tanks pouring through the Fulda Gap in Germany. It is the Red Army... As if it would be that. <laughs> <laughs> God, I haven't even heard about this. <laughs> it is the Red Army of mediocrities waging war on dissent within academia and the media. This is this is Milo's Brendan O'Neill. That's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's the Mediocr- chattering classes again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mediocrity's waging descent. Because if you agree with me, then you must be mediocre and thereby jealous. Yeah. Because nothing <laughs> I'm done, I've done is mediocre. Yeah. Hence my book no. about why women touching themselves makes me un- unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why I was able to write um, The Empire Was Actually Okay 5. This time it's about the railways in Burma. And you have to contextualize it with the whole roads must fall movement and just like, students and yeah. people saying, actually, there's an alternative view. So you didn't learn that in, in, in GCSE history, so it doesn't count. Yeah. No, so you so get all into like, email chains to harass those students individually. It's <laughs> yeah. but also, very normal. It's a kind of strange um, propaganda or strange indoctrination that happens because all throughout GCSE and A-level, we were sort of taught to write, on the one hand, this, one form of racism, on the other hand, another form <laughs> yeah. of racism, <laughs> and to believe that somehow you steered a course to veracity from yeah. presenting two flip sides of the same coin. Now a whole new set of ideas and principles have come along. They're literally shitting the bed. Yeah. It is time to confront these people with the one thing that will deter them, as it once deterred the Soviets. Massive retaliation. Uh, <laughs> that's quite... Damn, my one weakness. <laughs> Massive retaliation. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like, uh, Herr Hitler, the Soviets have found our one weakness. What is it? 20 million troops. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> How did they know? <laughs> I guess it's penned to sound quite intimidating, but what the hell are they going to do? Just stop all these women and blacks from writing stuff. What does my massive retaliation look like? It's posting. It's, it's posting, well, but it's a respectable all, posting. They're all uh, getting jobs on gettingyourdicksuck.com. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All of these guys have the same aesthetic. Like, they're all kind of issued a big rumpled suit, and they kind of get smaller, and the suit gets bigger, <laughs> and they just shrivel into it, and they just kind of cry. <laughs> Quiet voice coming from inside talking about the clitoris. Wonderful. <laughs> All right, wicked. I've got to run. Yeah, uh, let's it's wrap. Time, <clears throat> it's time to wrap. Oh man. Oh, well, that was that was one hell of a time. Um, Sweetie, do you have anything going on? Yeah, um, I'm going to be dropping a new EP with new tracks such as "Politics Is Broken." Try and guess where that slogan came from no, for my tinge people idea out there. Party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chucking the rule book out. Um, so yeah, that's happening. I'm also working on a new piece, which I will announce the title of here as an exclusive. I'm not really supposed to, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's called yeah. The Black Peril, and it's coming out in November of this year. And it's all about race riots that happened 100 years ago in Britain. So maybe mm. we'll have another chat about it in the future. Hell yeah. But- That'd be amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Let's, let's make sure we get that done. Word. But then we'll um, also do a counter episode with Roger Scruton. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of balance. Um, and oh. finally, since this is out on our Patreon, um, you know, you already subscribe, but uh, you also don't forget to please uh, vote for Trash Future in the British Podcaster's Choice Listener's Choice Absolutely. Awards. Ooh. Because we really, like I said, I want to go on that stage and get dragged off by my fingernails talking mm-hmm. about how gamers are the real persecuted minorities in this country. Absolutely. <laughs> also, this is coming out on Thursday, right? Yes. Yeah. So also, tonight, I'm doing a preview of my Edinburgh show at the Secford at 8pm. If that's too short notice for you, the following week, on Wednesday at 8pm, uh, there'll be another smoke comedy where the headline will be Mickey Overman. There will be links to tickets in the description. Hell motherfucking yeah. 
Thanks, so, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for coming yep. on. So, it was great thank to you, see you thank again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and, you very much. And thank you all for listening. Later.